Good morning. It is great to be with you guys. Let me just give you a little bit of what I uh, came across in the book of Job this week, as I'm sure you did. One of the ways I like to start my group, uh, warning to the ten guys or eight guys that are with me, is uh, in addition to making sure that we have uh, been diligent in hiding in our hearts some word that will be helpful to us a little bit later, is it's just great to start with. Man, what jumped out at you this week that really uh, spurred you on and moved you or or um, encouraged your heart, or, and this will be easy in this particular study, what in the world have you looked at this week that created some questions that you can't move forward if you don't get this answered, that God's Word confused you, perplexed you, or maybe set you back a little bit until you can get some good answers to your good questions? And we, I, I spend my time there. I want to know what did you learn personally, what difference is it going to make, and also, where could you use the benefit of community to wrestle through what God has showed you this morning? We are glad that you're here. We spent about um, 10 to 15 minutes in here just to kind of tickle our, um, our, I, I guess, our appetite a little bit, and then we go take care of our appetite a little bit, and then we dive in with one another. So let me pray for you, and um, I'll share with you a few observations I've made. Lord, thank you for this group of guys and the way that um, you have captured our hearts and given us a hunger to study you or at least to hang out with some friends as we discuss um, your word. And Lord, as we uh, let your word uh, do its work in us, we thank you that you tell us that when your word goes out, it will not return void. Thank you that you have not left us here to figure out who you are, but you've screamed to us in your record uh, things that are true of you. And it's for us to uh, respond to, us to wrestle with, and ultimately us to humble ourselves underneath that we might live uh, in a right relationship with you and understand our dad, your goodness, your perfection your strength, your sovereignty, and uh, the fact that you are Father and we are children. And sometimes you do things that we do not understand. Thank you for the book of Job. What a good dad you are to tell us this story and to help us understand things that we would otherwise never understand or never see. And the security that brings into us to know that the one who is sovereign over all things is mindful of our heart. In Christ's name, amen. All right. Well, let me just uh, jump in this morning by just sharing with you a few things that as I uh, look at these first four chapters um, were an encouragement to me or that were a a reminder to me. One of the things that I wanted to start by saying as I read this is that Job's an idiot. If, and please listen to the if, if this world is all we have. I mean, he really is. The guy's an idiot if this world is all we have. And the resurrection matters, man. In fact, that is what I'm going to do over uh, Easter weekend. We're going to just talk about uh, if the resurrection happened, then it's all that really ought to matter to us. There you go. There's my tag this year. Sleep in, okay? <laughs> or just come and celebrate with us. And one of the things that we need to realize is that God has told us, all of us, very few of us will have endured what Job has experienced. And it does remind me when I read the book of Job that somebody has experienced, no matter what my circumstance is, Job usually sets the bar. Now, I hear some folks that I call my friends Job's, or you're a modern-day Job. It's a famous phrase that rolls off our tongue. But if you really put the stats next to each other, uh, it's tough to measure up to what this fellow went through. But nonetheless... I love the statement, I don't ever try and, try and quantitate somebody else's pain. I think the greatest pain in the world is the toothache in your mouth. And you don't have to somehow justify that you're suffering 
equals the leper in India's to have a need before God. Don't do that to yourself and don't do that to others. But I will tell you that God cares of you, and I'm going to show you this morning real quickly in here different reasons why maybe you're going through certain things. Job tells us one reason, but let me tell you this about our God. Uh, I'm going to put the verse up here for the sake of time. What I always try and do is go, is this true? And if so, how do I know it's true? And the answer is always because God has revealed it in his world. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus has just got through coming down on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus rebukes folks for um, having little faith. He tells a story about how it's more difficult for rich to enter into heaven than for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. And it strikes up a, a pretty major conversation. And, uh, and, and Jesus basically is just teaching on a relationship with him and how he will not forget those and how he'll make things possible that otherwise are impossible. And Peter throws this out to him in the midst of this. He just says, Behold, we've left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, that you who have followed me in the regeneration. Let me just tell you why I put that down there. Because if there is no regeneration, if there is no resurrection, if this life is all there is, then Job was an idiot, and so are we. That's, by the way, 1 Corinthians 15. If there is no resurrection, then we above all men are to be pitied. We above all men are to be fools, uh, considered fools. It says, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also will sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And this is the key right here, because that's not us. This is, verse 29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake, will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. In other words, folks that held on to some of those things for lots of various reasons, they're getting their skin now. But those of us, and by the way, Job didn't leave those things. Those things were taken from him. He didn't just, you know, donate them to Dallas Can. They were taken from him. Now, if it's true that if you give them freely because of your love for God, uh, he's going to take care of you. And in Job's story, we'll find out that it does come full circle in a temporal way. But what God's saying is that's not even the payback. He says up there, you will receive many times as much. And you'll inherit eternal life. That isn't just what will happen on the other side, although it's also there. It is a fullness of heart and purpose and life and security now and so if it's taken from you now because of the reason it was taken from job you can be that much more sure because job and i tell my friends this who suffer a lot i just go hey there's lots of different potential reasons why this has happened i'm going to show you those this morning but bottom line uh one of them is that you are a faithful man or a faithful woman and people almost always say, I don't want to be considered that kind of faithful man or faithful woman. None of us would. But sometimes God loves us enough to let us step up and worship him despite living in an unworshipful circumstance so that God's name might be glorified in the earth. And he will not forget it. Okay? Uh, let's do this. I've got, you know, I always bring about 10 things in here, and I want to be mindful of time. What I do want to do, and you guys write these down. Uh, I've covered these extensively in a message, but I want to just do it quickly this morning. I want to give you just a catalog of reasons, and we cannot go to any of the verses. 
just because of time, you can do this maybe in your group. But why do trials and suffering happen? I'll try and bring these up one at a time. Okay? What you've got to do, and this is a good little analogy, every time you see something, and this is the mistake that Eliphaz made, is that he was correct that, that sometimes suffering happens because you deserve it. But that's just one nail that's driven into a little piece of wood. That is not a good biblical theology of suffering. You know, what you've got to do, it's almost like, think of that. Think about a piece of wood you drive a nail into. That's why this happened. But then you're going to read a little bit later that no suffering sometimes happens because of this. And you've got to nail in another nail. And you've got to take like a rubber band and stretch it around from the one nail to the other nail. And you go, okay, somewhere in this line of truth, that's why suffering happened. But then you find another reason. So you drive another nail and then you stretch that rubber band around that. And then another nail, and then another nail. So you have like probably six nails there. And so, you know, you've now got that rubber band in that expanded area. And you better be careful before you announce why somebody is suffering inside that area of biblical truth. And if you're going to speak for God and declare that you know why it's happening, you, you better make sure that you're rightly representing God, because one of the things you'll see that God requires Job to do at the end of this book is offer a sacrifice for... Uh, his, his three buddies. In other words, they sinned against God by misrepresenting him. James 3, 1 says, let not many of you be teachers. If you speak poorly of God, if you misrepresent him, God does not take kindly to that because he wants his glory to fill the earth, which is to say he wants everybody to know him for who he really is because if they know him for who he really is, they will be drawn to him. And if people misrepresent him, that will not uh, allow them to run to him, and he wants them to run to him, because only in running to him will they experience what he alone can give, all that is good. First reason, okay? Sometimes suffering happens because of foolish choices. Eliphaz had it right. What he had wrong was his extreme statement, I've never seen it happen for any other reason. Okay, my biblical example of this is Jonah. You can talk about that in your group. You can find the story of Jonah in the book of Jonah. Alright? So go read it. The reason that Jonah was in a tough spot at sea is because he was running away from God. And so, things did not go well for him. The second reason, sometimes, and these are not in any specific order, although that is often, let me just tell you this, the reason that most of the time I suffer in my life is because of number one. That is the reason I suffer most of the time. The second reason is, is the influence of evil in a fallen world. In other words, this world is not our home. This is not our Father's world. Is God sovereign over this world? Everybody say yes. Yeah, He is. So nothing happens in this world that is not His without Him allowing it to happen. But He allows things to happen that He did not intend to happen. The reason it's happening is because we have given ourselves over to the prince of this world. He was going to allow us to live in this world in peace. But when we went ahead and said, no, we will not let him be our father, we will father, follow you, the evil one, then this evil one's administration is working its way out. And every now and then, even though God restrains evil, and by the way, there's a time in future history called the tribulation that is coming when the restrainer is removed, and then we move into what is called um, the time of Jacob's distress. You think it's bad now? Wait till God takes off the cheesecloth. And it's going to get ugly. Really ugly. But uh, right now, 
God still allows things to pass through. And so you are living under one who is a liar, who is stealing, who is destroying, and who is killing. And he delights in doing that to you and discouraging you in it. And so sometimes, like Job, things happen because you live in a fallen and broken world. Thirdly, the influence the Lord wants you to have on others. Sometimes God, who is always going to take what men and even the prince of darkness intends for evil and use for good, sometimes God is going to let you go through things because it will work in his redemptive work in the context of rebellion to produce blessing for others that will glorify him and bring them to a place of provision in a fallen world. Joseph is a great example of this. Okay? By the way, the great news about God is even if you're suffering because of number one or if you're suffering because of number two, he can still redeem it to number three. So don't be discouraged if you are suffering because you've been an idiot. Most of us do. He can take what you intended for evil and he can make it for good. You just don't have to have others who do evil to you that God will make good. But um, Hey, guys, can you bring the house lights all the way up? Can you do that for us? I think we can still read. That way you guys can look. And uh, Now that we're all inching up in age here, we can use all the light we can get to read. All right. Number four. One of the reasons is because the influence the Lord wants to have on your character. Okay, now look what I did to remember this. I put a bunch of J's up there. You see that? Okay, that's how I remember this in, in a quick coffee conversation. James okay, talks about this, that God uses a refining fire uh, to buffet us and to teach us to not love this world, to teach us that we can endure under things we did not think we could endure. You are in ranger school. And uh, as you make your way through, you go, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know my God could get me through that. I had no idea if I walked through that valley of shadow that I would still be able to sing praises, honor him, and stay faithful. Or God used that suffering to wean me off an idol that I didn't even know I had. All right? James, you can go read it yourself. Uh, fifth, the intention of the Lord to glorify himself through your circumstance. Sometimes. You're blind not because of your sins or your mama or your daddy's sins, but so that God might be glorified through you. Go read John 9. Okay? And then lastly, just so I can keep my J's, because I'm an idiot and need help to remember things, all right, I just put up Jethro's son-in-law. Who was that? Moses, who wrote Deuteronomy, duet nomos, the second telling of the law. Deuteronomy. And what Moses is doing, he is unfolding in, uh, a, a second time before he goes. It's his, it's his farewell address. And he is reminding men of things that are true. And he is uh, telling them, look, let me just tell you. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the, uh, the, the things that are uh, revealed are for us and our sons forever. But the hidden things belong to God. We can speculate on one through five. At the end of the day, I, I want to tell you, most of the time I go, look, I just don't know. I don't know for sure. And note to self, when mom backs out of her driveway and runs over her three-year-old, she's not really looking for you to come and answer the question whether it was one, two, three, four, or five. 
She is looking for you to Romans 12, 15. Which is to say, to not Job 4. Say that one more time, now you've got something to talk about. What Mama is looking for you to do is not drop Romans 8, 28 on her. You can put that next to number 3 up there. She is looking for you to Romans 12, 15. Which is to say, do not Job 